Welcome back to the Coach Paul Show, and thank you so much to everyone who comes back weekly to listen and get little nuggets for the purposes of education, empowerment, or maybe entertainment. A wise man, my friend Paul Alcorn, reminded me this morning that you can only love others to the extent that you love yourself. So in the spirit of this Valentine's season, I know Valentine's Day was yesterday, but today's episode theme is all about self-love. I'm going to try to break it down into five different pillars of wellness and give some reasonably easy action items or check-ins you can do with yourself to step up your self-love game. To be in a good spot physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually is not always possible. And there are days or spells when we go through hard times. I don't want today's message to come across as preachy and just know that I'm on this journey too and still trying to get better in a lot of ways myself. A couple of days ago, I was getting an adjustment with Dr. Wade Port, former guest, and he asked me, when was my marathon? And I said something like, it's in two weeks, it's February 25th, I'm just hoping to survive. And he called me right out. He was like, there will be no self-degrading talk in my office. Let's try that again. So of course, I had to correct myself and say, my marathon is February 25th and I can't wait to crush it. Something along those lines. But the overarching theme here today is going to be practical ways to be better to yourself so you can turn around and give more love to others. And like I mentioned, we're going to break it out into five little segments or pillars, whatever you want to call them. First, we'll talk about the brain and nervous system and how to get yourself back in a state of harmony when your nervous system is dysregulated. Secondly, we'll look to spray some raid on our ants, our automatic negative thoughts. Next up will be a deep dive into the ways we can treat ourselves with physical and mental rewards and kind of our self-care routines. Fourth is going to be centered around challenge and curiosity. And finally, possibly most important, we will wrap up with the science-backed mental health benefits of why self-love is so important. Before we get into the pillars, I would like to talk about some red flags or maybe things to look out for that would suggest maybe your self-love could use a little nudge in a more productive direction. A couple of these are definitely things that I have to look out for, like I mentioned one earlier. This is just going to be a brief top 10 list of signs of low love. Number one, chronic feelings of low self-esteem or inadequacy. Number two, self-sabotaging behaviors. Number three is difficulty setting boundaries. Number four, seeking external validation all the time. Number five, this one is me, I got to work on this, negative self-talk and criticism. Number six is comparing yourself unfavorably towards others. Number seven, also staring me right in the face, difficulty saying no and overcommitting. Number eight is tolerating abusive relationships. Number nine, perfectionism or fear of failure. And number 10, avoiding self-care or maybe neglecting your personal needs. So if a handful or if any of those sounded like, oh man, that's sounding like it's directed right at me, then I invite you to turn up the volume knob a couple of notches, find a comfy pillow, and take some notes on how to make the best you yet. So self-love is not narcissism. It doesn't come from a place of self-centeredness or of ego. It is not bath bombs and chocolate cake, although those can be a nice treat. 
I'm just talking about having an appreciation and positive regard for yourself. Unless you do some deeper work and develop the skill or create a set of habits around this definition of self-love, then you may just find that you don't need that slice of cake after all. Without a better embrace of self, we're going to struggle taking action or chances and we'll miss out on a lot of incredible opportunities. All right, the stage is set. We know what we're getting into. Let's talk pillar number one. It's probably something that does not come to mind when thinking about tangible ways to love yourself better. But the brain and nervous system are at the core of our emotions. So I think that this is an appropriate place to start. Anyone who regularly listens to the show knows that I beat the drum of sleep very loud on a consistent basis, and I got to beat it just a couple of times here, particularly REM and deep sleep. You know that scene, I don't know why I thought of this, but you know that scene in Star Wars where Chewie, Luke, and Princess Leia were all trapped in that trash compactor desperate to get out, they're pushing on the walls. Our brains kind of serve as that trash compactor, like an internal waste disposal system. So this cleaning process removes the intercellular junk and there's a direct link between superior sleep and lowered risks of developing Alzheimer's or dementia. People who regularly sleep less than seven hours per night over time, they build up unhealthy neurons and are at a greater risk of cognitive impairment in their later years. Now, I got to pause here. If you're younger and listening to this, I know it's hard to imagine a day way down the line when you're not full of energy and you can survive and function on like three hours of sleep, but you are doing your future self a huge disservice by not loving yourself now. So when it comes to brain health, sleep is a performance-enhancing drug, particularly REM sleep. It helps us maintain our emotional awareness. You'll know your nervous system is out of whack if you have trouble sleeping consistently. Other things to kind of put the pulse down on, if you regularly have muscle tension or pain, if you have low motivation or even strange uh, changes in appetite, this is when you know your nervous system is a little bit out of whack. So as promised, for each one of these little pillars, I'm just going to give you uh, one or two easy action items if you're struggling in this particular area. So if you're having sleep problems, my easy, controllable suggestion would be for at least an hour before bed, avoid doing anything stimulating, anxiety-producing, whatever it is for you. Trust me, social media will be just fine without you after 8 or 9 p.m., whatever your normal bedtime is. And stressing about homework or studying for a test or answering work emails to the extent that it's costing you precious sleep, you know, you're sitting in bed thinking about these things, it's not worth it. So find a wind-down routine or activity that calms you, like reading, journaling, breath work, whatever it is. I've been doing this the last month. This is my other suggestion for the brain and nervous system. I heard about it on a podcast, I can't remember which one, but it's called Five Finger Breathing. What you do, it's easy. You just look at your open palm and you trace your fingers. On your inhale, you move your left index finger up your right pinky. And when you exhale, you move your index finger down your pinky. You're going to do that for all five of your fingers. 
So combining the sight of your hand, you're looking at your hand, the feel of your finger on your other palm, your other hand, and the focus on your breath all packaged together, it's a remarkable way to calm down the nervous system when you're stressed. I've tried it a few times, firsthand experience, no pun intended. Please try this. Uh, I think it works, but let me know what you think. Just a quick recap on that one. Just love yourself by getting proper sleep and dedicate a quiet half hour or hour before bed to wind yourself down. And if you are stimulated, stressed, or anxious, try out the five-finger breathing. Okay, second, I want to talk about one of my daily battles, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone on this one, automatic negative thoughts, also known as ANTS. Dr. Daniel Amen is the originator of that acronym, and he's got some great strategies on how to deal with these pesky thoughts. Humans seem to be hardwired towards like a negativity bias. My background from college, I was actually a broadcast news and journalism major. And I remember learning that the average click-through rate on news headlines with negative adjectives was like 60% higher than headlines with positive ones. That's crazy. So every time we have these negative thoughts, or thoughts in general, our brain releases chemicals. Every time you have an angry or unkind thought, the brain basically releases a cloud of pollution, to put it simply. Your muscles can tense up, your heart rate variability goes sideways, all the bad things. But on the other hand, when you have hopeful, kind, optimistic thoughts, your brain is releasing chemicals that make you feel good. Your breathing evens out, your muscles relax, etc. Something that finally sunk in with me when I was in my early 30s is the idea of teen 40-60 rule. This is Dr. Daniel Amons. It says, when you were in your teens, basically, you worry about what everybody thinks of you. When you hit 40, you don't care what anyone thinks of you. And by the time you're 60, you realize that no one has been thinking about you this whole time. A lot of negative thoughts start because we worry about how we are perceived by others. I'm in the high school every day. I can tell you I see this every single day. But the good news is that you can learn to eliminate these automatic negative thoughts and replace them with more helpful ones that are, let's face it, probably more accurate. So your action item for this is to write down any of your frequent ants. Like when it comes to, it could be like body image or going to the gym. Maybe you're super critical of yourself. Like even going to the gym, you could say, man, that person on the bike looks so much faster than me. I can never get to that speed. Or are you thinking, man, I'm showing up for myself. I'm at the gym. This is awesome. I never went to the gym last year. Like how do you frame things? So just noticing your thoughts, that's a huge part of it. Whenever the negative thoughts do creep in, Ask yourself if you are 100% sure that the thought is true. The brain has an interesting way of tricking us. And try to redirect your thoughts to focus on what is actually true. Confront your automatic negative thoughts. Don't believe every stupid thought that you have. And I'll end this little pillar with a nice little quote from Byron Katie from the book Loving What Is. Byron said, a thought is harmless unless we believe it. It's not our thoughts, but the attachment to our thoughts that causes suffering. Attaching to a thought means believing that it's true without inquiring. A belief is a thought that we've been attached to, often for years. So get out there and challenge those thoughts.
Number three, our physical and mental rewards. And kind of like our self-care routines. Look, life is hard. People are weird. Some days everything hurts. That's why it's so important to have a self-care routine that's specific for you. You're looking for ways to rejuvenate yourself and recharge your mental battery. For me, I try to do a sauna meditation. I know it's a little weird. And mobility stretching videos on YouTube. I love doing those in the morning at least three or four times per week. Going for a walk with my headphones and listening to other podcasts when the weather is nice. Um, it's just super recharging and refreshing for me. Even meal prep I find to be incredibly anxiety reducing. Just knowing I'm going into Monday ready to roll. You don't want these things, whatever your self-care routines, to feel like a chore, but something that brings you joy. So just a few ideas to throw out there. Maybe you can unfollow people on social media who bring you down. Talking to that one friend on the phone that always makes you smile. This is one I've been not the best at doing, but ending your shower with a 20-second cold blast and see if you can work up to a minute. I'm telling you that cold water helps release endorphins, or maybe you need a more traditional idea like a foot massage. Go see my friends at Treat Your Feet in Dorville. But if you're listening closely, you know that I give that suggestion with a little bit of an asterisk. Self-love is nothing that can be bought, but a relationship that can be constantly improved. Just like with anything, habit change is tricky. But the first step of effective habit change is awareness. You've got to be aware of what recharges you and what drains you so you can add more of the good and cut down on the bad. Make a self-care routine that is effective and personal to you. Okay, number four, let's talk about challenge and curiosity for just a minute. If you're able to get some solid habits going in the first three areas like we've just been talking about, you're going to be amazed at how much better you're going to be tackling new challenges. Self-love and self-compassion are intertwined. When the self-love is there, we look at challenges or obstacles. They're just like temporary setbacks. And we can look at ways to grow and find new opportunities. For me... I'm still a fairly new school teacher. It's only my fourth year, and I've taught at least one new prep or one new subject area every single year. At the start of the school year, like in August, it's really intimidating. Like, oh my gosh, another subject, here we go. But however, I, when I get to school, like when I get to see my schedule, I'm really excited, truly, like excited to learn more about it and it forces me to approach the subject like the beginner that I am. And in that way, it helps teach me things. It's the beginner's mindset. You know, I'm in it with the kids. So just remain curious about everything. I can't stress enough how important being forever curious in your life is. So in the classroom, I can't move too fast. This is a huge perk. I can't move too fast, like teach too fast. When I'm teaching something that I'm, you know, kind of freshly learning or maybe relearning. And I learn so much from the kids too, like making it relevant for them. They tell me really quickly when something is clicking with them or not. So when you get to a healthy spot in your relationship with yourself, you can take healthy risks because you have more faith in yourself. And win or lose, 
you can handle the outcome. Your action item in this challenge and curiosity pillar or realm here is to remember to challenge your thoughts and remain curious about everything. There are no absolutes. Question everything, especially those pesky automatic negative thoughts. Finally and briefly, this brings us to number five. As if you need more reasons to buy into self-love, here are some science-backed health benefits of why this work is so important. I'll start with a quote from Eric Fields and Gina Cooperberg. They're researchers from uh, Tufts University, the psychology department. They say that, quote, positively biased self-views are argued to be a key component of healthy psychological functioning, influencing self-esteem, motivation, and determination. Indeed, a lack of a self-positivity bias or even a self-negativity bias could contribute to mood and anxiety disorder, end quote. So some of the evidence-based benefits of self-love and self-positivity bias, the things we're striving for, better mental health, more self-acceptance, higher self-esteem, more motivation, you're going to stick with things longer, your determination is going to increase, increase self-awareness, less anxiety, and of course, our favorite, better sleep. So that's it. Uh, a quick episode about self-love and just really taking a moment to think about, bring awareness to maybe some thoughts or things that could be holding you back from this. But avoid the negative self-talk, create a you know self-care routine that's personal to you, set those healthy boundaries, really be compassionate towards yourself in this Valentine season, and try to make it a habit all year round. Make sure you take time for self-reflection. It just helps you with the noticing, with creating that space and questioning, hey, is this really true? And you can start to create more positive thoughts. This type of work does not need to be cheesy or corny. Compliment yourself. High-five yourself in the mirror. I've done it before. You high-five your friends, but you never high-five yourself. Like, what's up with that? I heard that one from Mel Robbins in a podcast about a year ago. I did it a few times. The first time, it was a little goofy. It felt a little awkward. I'm not going to lie. But I've done it a few times since then. Fantastic. Do this work for yourself because remember, the more you can love yourself, the more you can love others. Knowing all of this warm and fuzzy episode today, go forth knowing you are loved. Now, go and be the love. Until next week. 